0: A look back at 2018 and how it will influence 2019. Virginia's governor, with bipartisan backing, supports tolls for Interstate 81. Black Smoke Matters posts a list of industry concerns. Trucking companies exposed to new liability risk after FMCSA preemption. Daimler is just one step away from fully autonomous semi-trucks. And freight brokers cautiously optimistic in the new year, but there's an ominous counterpoint. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck.
1: And today we are visited by Chief Analytics Officer Dean Croak, driver of the Grumpy Pete, the 2003 Peterbilt. Hi guys. Did I get that right? You did,
2: (laughs) no, you've got it spot on. Well done.
1: (laughs) Great to have you here to to help us assimilate some of these varied and intense uh, headlines. Uh, JP, what are you cracking open today? Wait a minute.
0: I'm actually, if I'm a little low energy, it's because I'm drinking tap water. You know, it's it's wet. It's slightly below room temperature. Um, I'm getting a little alkaline, but, you know, it is it is what it is, Chad. What do you got?
1: I, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I, I'm so, not sure where to, to begin. Um, I'm... Still trying to be consistent though, sir. Um having a base camp blonde, a Hutton and Smith base camp blonde going pale ale, a little four point eight ABV, keeping it light. Keeping it, you oh, know.
0: Good for you. New, uh, new, well, thanks. New, new year, new you. <laughs> Apparently new you. Uh, <laughs> not for long, not for long. Oh, okay. Um, so let's let's get into it. Uh, we uh can start off with this sort of uh extended piece by Donald Broughton. Um that sort of looks back at the economy and the freight economy in 2018, and kind of you know tries to see what it's um, what it's going to look like going forward. I think that you know one of the big kind of takeaways, one of the things we should underline, uh, the, the, one of the sentences that really stood out from the piece was Broaden saying that yeah. whatever else the history books uh, say about 2018, it will go on record as. One of the strongest years for spot pricing and contract pricing increases in the history of trucking in the United States.
1: Actually, not he he in no uncertain terms he says that it will go down as the strongest year on record for spot and contract pricing, uh, in the history uh, of of U.S. trucking because um, after. The spot market rate increases um, of over thirty percent in dry van and reefer. Um, you know there were also spot market increases of over twenty five percent in flatbed, which were followed by contract rate increases of over fifteen percent in all three modes. So it's certainly a high bar um, that we a high. You know it's like walking the the tight wire. We're at a very like how much higher I suppose can we go?
0: We're, yeah. It, I mean, I think everyone knows that you know that kind of growth isn't sustainable. It was a pretty wild year. Um, not only was the economy growing at a great clip. I mean, I think at one point, what was it—the third quarter or the se- was it the second quarter—that it was la- that um, GDP growth broke four percent. I mean, it was around
1: that time. It seems like yeah, it was the like- middle. Of the so
0: it's like you know we know that. Th- it's not going to be like that forever. You know, there were these um, sort of external factors that constrained capacity, like the ELD mandate, uh, hard enforcement beginning in April. There were policy things, you know, with the tariffs that really confused shippers um, and sort of altered the flow of freight. And that, that tended to, that uncertainty tended to, you know, drive up prices. So, yeah, you know, many th- of these were,
1: things we've been kind of covering um, yeah. as we anticipated the end of 2018 and have been coming here uh, hot at, at you uh, at the beginning of 2019.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, just reflecting on the year, I mean, it was, you know, it was it was tough for a lot of shippers, um, you know, it was great for carriers, you know, if you weren't making money as a carrier this year. You know good luck in two thousand and nineteen. I think the brokers were kind of trying to ride the tiger and stay alive and you know try to feel out yeah. the market and stay ahead of those waves
1: um, yeah and we will we we're going touch on those too. I think one of the um the things that uh that in this report, which I encourage our um our listeners to check out it's it's uh substantive. Uh, is one of the things that, like, you know, we're trying to make sense of what to expect in 2019, and a lot of brokers and others are saying that they just have no idea and be a little careful, and yes, volumes are high, but, um, well, he, like, Broughton, like, brings kind of a systematic look uh, over the past, you know, uh, decade and a half, sort of, of, of the cycles that we've been going through, and he considers that, like, right now there is, um, he, he says we see no factual basis for uh, for the assertion that you know there is an imminent recession um, headed for us in 2019, because he sees us just as about 24 months into kind of a, a consumer cycle of expansion.
0: Yeah, he is basically saying. I mean, it, um, you know, people in the industry who remember 2016 as mm-hmm. being you know being a very bad year for uh, freight, a
1: mini recession, a mini
0: recession. You know, um, I think. Uh, w T I, uh, the price of oil fell apart um, at the end of twenty fifteen. Right, was, you know, and that played a so, big
1: factor. The I mean, margins of frac fracking have to stay stay above a certain uh, yeah a certain margin. Exactly.
0: And, I mean, they and fell. They look to they dropped from over a hundred dollars a barrel to under thirty dollars a barrel very quickly. So like it's an interesting take i mean what broden is saying is that we're not at the end of an expansionary cycle that started in 2009 we're halfway or a few years into an expansionary cycle that started in 2016 i mean i think yes. that's 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 sort of an interesting read it's it's a little contrarian, maybe that's probably not that's not how most economists think about it. At least the, the people that I read, but I mean, it, it, there might be something to it as far as the freight economy goes.
1: Really, uh, like, well, what are they what are they suggesting? Those that that, that you're reading, how, um, what what kind of pushback, um, think, would you say to his sort of thesis?
0: Um, just that. You know, unemployment or, you know, I Plays should say, into it, well, yeah. well em- employment has been growing, you know, yeah. steadily since 2009. People talk when we think about how much, how, you know, what kind of legs does the economy still have left? You have to think about, OK, where is the growth going to come from? Right. And so yeah. that's kind of when people say, like, OK, well. You know, people are. You know, the, the consumer savings rate is already pretty low. Everyone's going to that wants a job can probably, you know can get one. Wages are going up. I mean, it's where did you know? What's the next thing that 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 can that can spur like another round of, of true economic production. One of the things,
1: though, like from that high height of how how high those contract rates and spot rate market rates uh, rose, um, where will they go here? Will they be stable? Will they go slightly down? Um, or um, is it achievable, as Broughton suggests, that they actually could still possibly rise 3-5% to 5% uh, under uh, certain conditions, such as you know, if if their you know capacity remains tight
2: enough,
0: I'm kind of interested to hear what Dean thinks about this.
2: Yeah, I, I think last year 2018 uh, is not a not a year that I'd be comparing to. I think there were so many uh, yeah. anomalous things that happened last year. Right. Whether you're talking about tax regulations, uh, you know, the the impact on of tariffs on the market, the ELD mandate, the uh, you know the sort of the exacerbation of the aging workforce, the driver shortage there's there's a few things mm-hmm. that happened last year that I don't think will be here this time around so I actually don't think there'll be the upward pressure on rates that we were seeing last year I think there'll be there's been a lot of capacity coming to the market so a lot we had record class 8 truck orders uh, used truck prices yeah. are still holding pretty firm so I think this will be a, an interesting year there's some things happening that haven't happened before around diesel prices uh, with the IMO 2020 and the ULSD regulations in Mexico. So there's a few things that could suggest yep. diesel prices could go up, putting up at pressure on operating costs. I think this will be a much tighter year than people think because I mean, if, I was, if I was a truck operator running freight, I, I wouldn't be basing my operating costs on last year, nor would I be basing my top-line revenue projections. I would be scaling that right down because I just don't see the same drivers this year as there were last year
0: okay I think, I think you know um the ata really kind of wants to you know cast its spell and maintain this like collective fiction that oh you know things are still tight like yeah. like demand is still exceeding capacity like you know we're asking for rate increases but honestly um i've talked to okay. several brokers in the past couple days including at our event at Freight alley yeah uh, you know on wednesday who said that no like They've had to redo some of their bids for a contracted freight, and are ah. coming in three percent lower. And, Whoa! And it's you know it has to do okay. it has to do with um, the spot market, uh, the spot spot rates being pulling contract down. Uh, they're trying to protect themselves going into 2019, so they want to get as much committed freight as they can, mm-hmm. and they're having to be really aggressive about it.
2: The other thing is, a lot of shippers and carriers and <laughs> brokers have now now have a lot more visibility into the markets through our sonar platform, which is new. <laughs> yeah, I so said people can actually react to the market much quicker and and take different positions in the market than they would have normally.
1: Wow, because yeah. no, normally
2: shippers are the kind of the last people to find out what's going on. When I've been out talking to to shippers, they're actually now really in tune with what the suppliers of their capacity are doing and how the spot market might be behaving. I think that's going to be very different this year. That
1: is going to be a story to follow throughout the year, I think, too, Dean. Um, Yeah, shippers uh, had to get a little more disciplined over 2018. Now... I mean, will, we
2: have, will it be a proactive approach rather than defensive? Well, if you think defensive? about ELDs has probably dropped another 2 million telematics devices onto the market. So now you've got all these trucks that didn't have any connectivity now connected mm-hmm. to the market, whether they've got an SDK on their phone connected to a big data aggregator that's got visibility in the supply chain. These independent truckers now have apps on phones where they can pick and choose loads and get paid on a seven-day basis. So I think what I think is different this year is that the a lot of the industry will have... Uh, much more visibility into the into the freight market, but they can react quicker. Wow, that's going to be significant. <clears throat> cool insight, uh,
1: and it's it's a it's a substantive and insightful. Um, you know. Uh, kind uh, with a little bit of history behind it, uh, report from Broughton, um, and more than, um, you know, we can, you know, completely uh, digest right now. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, a little, um, a little uh, analysis and assimilation of that report. But now, you know, on to, uh, we have a number of headlines to, to, to tackle. And this one, um, the, the Virginia's governor, this is a little infrastructure kind of discussion now. Like, uh, basically, you know, um, you know, Virginia's, the Virginia's governor, and they, they call it by Partisan report. I think it is actually um, mostly Republicans with a, a Democrat, but they um, they they support. Um, they're they're really like trying to do a quick like let's get this done type of uh, legislation to get to <clears throat> for this proposal to uh, from you know the Virginia Governor uh, Ralph Northam to get this interstate you know it, it's three, Interstate eighty one the that corridor that kind of runs you know like you know vertically kind of. Um, Uh, Diagonally for 325 miles um, through a lot of Virginia, it's an important corridor. It is, if you've ever been on it, it is like it is tense and really just it's over. Over capacity, as we, we would say. But anyway, they they're um they're looking at um, you know it's 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 one of those things where you just feel like if you're in the logistics industry that you're getting picked on sometimes because um, basically for a truck if they if during the day if a truck was going to run the full uh 325 miles that that because of the average of the tolling they would that trucker would end up paying about fifty dollars in tolls and a passenger car would pay about half of that. Twenty-five. Now at night, it's greatly reduced. Um, but what what are truckers supposed to do? Like suddenly start like traveling it all at night? I, I don't I don't know. And uh, Dean, I, I don't know. What What is your feeling on on tolls and tolling? Um,
2: so there's there's a there uh, on the downside. Um, there's a lot that it leaves an electronic fingerprint wherever you go. So it means there's a digital record of where you are. So if everything's not above board. Then there's a digital fingerprint that says you were here at this point in time. Well, isn't that already the case with ELDs? Uh, Yes, to a degree. Okay, Um, but there's you know for those that don't want to run interstates and hit scales all the time. Yeah. Um, You know, it might be more weight based or revenue based. They might not want to have. So you're thinking about a privacy case. Yeah, so there's a privacy issue. There's a cost issue. There's a huge cost issue. But then on the upside, you've got better fuel efficiency, higher average road speed, you cover more miles. So if you price the tolls into your rate. You know the rate component of your business. Then I think they're actually a really good thing. the The challenge is that they uh, where carriers get caught is they have contracts where they've had these bids out yeah. there and it has and there's a new road user charge come in and it hasn't been factored into the contract. That's where that's where tolls start to become a, a grind.
1: Well, they estimate that they need two point two billion dollars, and I, I while I admit that I don't know where they're necessarily going to get that money from. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, what about you, JP?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that on the one hand, you know the industries that use the infrastructure to make money, you know, it's it's fair to ask them to help pay for it. On the other hand, I I you know, I think doubling the tolls for trucks versus cars mm. is just kind of mean. <laughs> but um it Okay. But I think there is a bit one potential upside is that And um, actually, Ibrahim Bayan, our our chief economist, actually talked a little bit about this with regard to traffic in Atlanta. He used to live next to a toll road, and he loved it because – the tolls were so expensive that no one, no one oh, yeah. else, no one else drove on the road. Yeah, but he would pay for it, and right. so he got to actually move through Atlanta right. on a relatively uncongested thoroughfare. He had this um, kind of
1: argument of, um, you know, I, I'm going to to work, so I I will have a little more money to pay for this, and I'm happy to to pay it so that like I will not be on as congested. And, then, a road. and then
0: they took the toll off the road, and now like After it takes it some, paid for. it takes them, like twice as long to you know move around, but um. You know, so what if this becomes you know like the fast land through Virginia instead of like the slow land? You know, like well, like what if, what if it becomes a much more efficient highway? What if you know a truck, you know a, a carrier, is like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I mean, we're charging two bucks a mile to go. Th- what three hundred fifty miles? So it's, you know it'll take fifty bucks off our off you know seven hundred dollars. Um, but
1: who bears the cost of tolls, though? You know, in the end, I mean, like, like it will will rates increase? Will we have to pay more more mm-hmm. money for our shipping? Mm-hmm. You know, costs? will um it <clears throat> does it suppress the economy in certain areas? Does it discourage businesses from doing business in these areas? Like I I I mean, I wonder. I, I, I mean, I guess at some point it needs to be paid for somehow, some way. I mean, and if it, you're using I it, there's always...
0: I think it really sucks to be you if, you, if you're if you a shipper and, you know, you've got two distribution centers at either end of this interstate and you run trucks up and down this, this road all day. Like, yeah, that's, that's going to hurt. I um, guess
1: at the same time, to, toward that end, that means you are really using it and you should help pay for that
2: infrastructure. I, I don't know. Well, it's a bit like ELDs, right? It's the extra cost of compliance now is going to be borne by the consumer ultimately, whether it be increased transit time, higher rates because trucks can't be as efficient as they used to be. So I think at some point it gets passed on to the end consumer, but it also comes, yeah. becomes a factor in the competitive competitiveness of different modes. So if you've got higher road user charges, at some point does that be, you know do you become uh, uncompetitive versus other modes of transport? So well just
0: i think i think that that does matter i mean i think it it depends on the kind of commodity and product that the shipper is exactly. making as to how much will be passed on to the consumer some kinds of commodities are treated you know almost i mean some kinds of products are treated in, in a commodity like fashion where they're fungible and you can't actually just pass through extra costs to the consumer because all of a sudden it, if you're if you what you're selling is just as good as what your competitor is selling, then people just buy that. So, it, it, you know, it, it depends. I mean, um, well, and, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. No, make but but I think I think the larger story is just that in the absence, uh, you know, now that we are back in an era of divided government in the, in the U.S. Congress, with the Democrats controlling the House of Representatives and the Republicans still in the Senate, mm-hmm. um, I think the you know the prospects. For an infrastructure bill, you know, may be dimming. Mm. I mean, people talk about this as being the one issue that they can, that every that both sides want, but they actually have very different visions as to how it would would work. So, what what I kind of see is now the states are trying to pay for their infrastructure with tolls. Is this going to be a new kind of creeping sort of toll uh, movement Mm. that moves across the country again in the absence of? Uh, federal action on on infrastructure.
1: Well, uh, th- th- that you bring that up, uh, I think the ATA, the ATA. This is one of their major uh, um, legal challenges for for this year. They are very concerned about this idea. They uh, wrote what Rhode Island has proposed with this tolling because mm-hmm. uh, they're tolling they're,
0: only trucks, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Yeah, and Which so it, the
1: seems, aid, it that mean, does it's a little outrageous to mm-hmm. to. to you know, to just like pick on, you know, our our industry, which is, you know, um, bringing goods to everybody all the time. I mean, I'm like, right. I, I,
0: I, I I, mean, it's kind of I, the chicken I, or the egg I, thing, because, you know, we, we talked about how the people who use the infrastructure should pay for it. But at the same time, you build the reason why you build transportation infrastructure is to encourage economic exchange and right. commercial activity. Right. And now that it's right. here, now you're turning around and you're punishing it. It's just kind of, yeah, It's the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So
2: here's where tolls become almost something you have to bring into your business. If you think about ELDs, right, where now... It's like a fixed cost? Well, yeah, because you, you, if a, if a truck company can't put more... Freight on, or put more trailers on. The only thing you really compete on is transit time. So you put two drivers in a truck to increase your transit time. So you, yeah. you're, your sustainable competitive advantage in trucking is essentially based around the transit time, the delivery schedule. So if tolls actually help you get quicker, that gives you get get to the delivery point quicker. That gives you a competitive advantage. And what it does is it forces almost everybody to start to accept it. And I went through this in Australia
1: oh where, really where
2: where, they, where the transit time you could look at transit times on toll roads could almost take an hour off a off a, a 700 mile journey now, that's significant in terms of being able to unload and load. So what it did is as soon as the big companies started doing it, yeah. everybody else got in line quickly because they realized that they couldn't compete on transit time because everybody had the same dimension trucks and trailers. Right, so That's right, where tolls right. become a big deal. Well, this,
1: this will be an interesting story to follow throughout the year. Um, something that certainly has manifested uh, that seems like an unusual um, kind of story is the uh, Black Smoke Matters. Um, uh, movement. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, JP, do you have some background? Do you want to like just kind of like tell us what what the Black Smoke Matters movement is?
0: Um, you know, it's a bu- It's a lot. You know, it's a sort of a, a protest movement that emerged online. Um, it seems to be mostly owner operators, although I really don't know. Um, they're planning a trucking strike in April. Um and it's
1: kind of seems to be a follow up from there was a there was a protest in uh October mm-hmm. Uh, in which um, yeah, a number of, of truckers like parked their their trucks in, in you know uh, around the mall area in in Washington D.C. in a, in, a, in a protest to overregulation and the ELDs. And this seems to be like, well, that didn't do us any good. So now we're going to um, take uh, take it up here. We have a few points that they're they uh, what they're looking for. Um, and and Dean, I know you have some yep. some takes on 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 this. Um, I will just quickly point. Uh, I mean, not summarize, but I will just point out the things that they are um, among the complaints that the Black Smoke Matters, um, what they've outlined uh, are is they've talked about the Unfunded Mandate Act, which I find... Somewhat obscure, but I mean, but at least officially it's, it's, it is, there was in 1995, there was the unfunded mandates reform act and, uh, it directed government If you can follow me with it, 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 the act directs government agencies to limit the number of unfunded man, federal mandates imposed by the federal government on state, local and tribal governments Mm. Um, and uh, the Black Smoke Matters uh, movement claims that when the FMCSA implemented the ELD regulation, it based its assumptions on a paperwork reduction cost saving that is not applicable to 99.1 percent of the small trucking businesses that make up the trucking industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, but see, uh, uh, okay, sorry, go, go yeah, ahead. yeah. Go. And let's just hit all these
1: yeah. real quickly. They, they're also just a uh, parking and hours of service is an issue that they're they're taking up. Cybersecurity. Um, and then just basic old constitutional rights, however, sort of not super clear, um, those are articulated. But those are some big ones. Dean, like you've been tweeting about right. this a
2: little bit. Yeah, what, what? yeah um, bad name. Uh, wrong choice of name in, a, <laughs> in an industry that's already struggling with a bad image. Awful, awful name. But um, well, what, what do you what, what, what do you mean by that? Um, just like... The last thing you want to do is be creating this uh, image that the industry is is not clean and green. Right? People don't want black to see black smoke. smoke pouring out of trucks yeah. now. Now that's, that's uh, the, the, black you know, the, smoke matter. They kind of want to go back to a time that doesn't exist anymore. And the problem is that. Um, industry representation is the key and I'll give you a quick backdrop, 40 years ago last week I participated in a blockade in Australia where we literally were blockading over all the same things and the same issues and not a lot changed Uh, and in Australia it wasn't hard to shut down the country because you only had to block one highway. What highway is that? The uh, the Hume Highway and it was called the Razorback Blockade in January 1979 and we shut down for about 11 days and uh, and I was uh, my son. My I was uh, my my father was one of the driver, and I was with my father when we got caught wow. up in all of it. So it's a fascinating, fascinating. So this isn't experience. dating you too much. No, no, exactly. So that's uh, <laughs> but but a lot of miles have been in between. But what I realised was that they were fighting about the same issues: excessive road user charges, burdensome regulation, uh-huh. lack of parking, blah blah. So what huh. happened? What happened was I ended up running the Australian Trucking Association about. 25 years later wow and and it was a fascinating experience because it taught me that you can't take everybody on Individually, like you're doing here, you have to actually have a very strong voice. And industry representation is the key. And if I look at all the list of things that the Black Smoke Matters guys are working on, and I totally support some of them, especially yeah. parking and hours of service, I'm all for change there and flexibility. The reality is that the uh, FightingForTruckers.com website, which is part of OIDA, the Owner Operator Independent Drivers yes. Association, are dealing with the same issues. So if you want to, if you look at uh, OIDA's regulatory and legislative agenda, mm-hmm. they're dealing with the same issues. But they're doing it as one voice, and
1: and you've you've told me that you can join
2: Oida o- for $45, forty five dollars, forty five bucks as a driver, and, and you, you can, don't just have to be an independent operator. No, you can, and, and you've got a you got a much bigger voice in Washington if you really want to affect change. You're not going. So the regulators and the and the people you need to influence aren't going to be on the roads when you inconvenience them. You're going to be inconveniencing the people that are paying for your freight, and they yeah. are going to be angry. And that, that's how I learned that the hard way. Do
1: our, I mean one question before? Like, is OIDA really? They, they, they are the same thing. They're talking about same like, issues. The or the same,
2: exact truckers issues. across the country yeah. have yeah. the same issues.
1: But so, like it, 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 I'd see the, the thing about the, so one of the things is they're so frustrated about the ELDs apparently according to some of the but I didn't think that they they uh, so many that we talked to were like hey it's no big deal I've been doing it a long time right. I think actually it helps me sleep or I right. you know I like the the, right. the new things that the technology so, the so think
2: about what we've been doing at Freightways we've been you know? lobbying very hard for flexibility in hours of service I and mean, you sure. think about what um, Administrator Martinez has, has been doing they've been out talking to the industry the first time in decades I've seen them out talking to owner operators about what they need so. The the key is to keep lobbying uh, Washington for change in the regulations around flexibility. What they're really asking for is flexibility in the regulations, and and, that, and the way to go about that is is through industry representation, being yep. part of a collective voice. We all support not, that. Not trying to do it on your own. This is this is just going to make things harder, I think, for the industry.
0: And it's just strange to me. It seems like a, this is a, such a weird time for this to be happening. I mean, right. we were just talking about Donald Broaden's findings mm-hmm. and his you know, opinion, which we largely agree with, that 2018 was one of the best years for trucking. In, in memory right Isn't yeah actually um, and
1: one of the points we didn't touch on that he mentioned um, and to, 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 to your point here is that um, the, qua- the there was um, the quality of drivers that, and their their experience grew over 2018 with with shippers you know meeting their demands more and with um, companies like well with the rate wages getting higher and, and and with just a lot more accommodations being made to them
0: and the the small uh, fleet owners that I've been talking to um uh for the podcast at, at com, you know they all kind of say that this um administrator Martinez uh, the new yeah. FCCSA mm-hmm. has been As, the most open mm-hmm. the most listening the mm-hmm. most eager to mm-hmm.
1: quick to respond
0: yeah so it, it's for me there's a lot of like cognitive dissonance with like why is this protest movement happening now I agree
1: like, other than the simple power of like, social media
0: yeah uh, but it's like times it's, are good I, I, I just I don't know I mean I have you know I have some suspicions but it's just okay I don't I don't I don't really get it um, well
1: uh, similarly at the same time um, you know trucking companies um, you know they're they're like um, like uh, there's been a new ruling uh, you know, from the FMCSA, speaking of which, you know, they're, they're acting red, speedily in some cases. You know, there's the, the California, you know, they declared um, that their state is going to abide by these rest break, these rest break laws of um, every five hours you can have your 30-minute your break and such. Um, but the um, FMCSA has um, said that no we're gonna uh, abide by you know a federal kind of um, uh, uh, you know one-size-fits-all uh, kind of uh, ruling of these uh, these recent ex- these recent um, California rulings um, are not going to be a- applicable to the to the mm-hmm. trucking industry and that has left um, some a new liability to some trucking companies uh, open because you <clears throat> um, because now the Teamsters are um, uh, appealing to the California Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and uh,
0: you know, like basically, so the, so the basic idea is like if you go with, yeah. like if you continue to operate and you know and ignore the California regulation, in theory, it could come back to bite you. Yeah, because, I guess that's how it's they're still, exposed it's still to kind of to them. It's still kind of in the air.
1: Uh, and. Uh, I don't know. We were talking about this. Uh, and like, what, what do you guys think? Because uh, on the one hand, I know in a lot of cases, we, 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 we like, 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 um, uniformity and we don't want to have a piecemeal kind of thing where you're every time you're in a, although tech has actually got some solutions for that, you know, like uh, actually going from state to state, but, 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 but that notwithstanding, um, do, do you, are you, the, the ATA argues that um, this actually makes things safer to mm-hmm. have a one size fits all mm-hmm. um, kind of. Thing. Yeah, I think that's, is this that's true. I think or? that's
0: cynical. I think that the ATA always says that what they want is about safety, and it usually isn't. Um, mm, usually, that's yeah. kind of their their sort of, you know, the thing that makes it palatable to 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 Washington. Um, whatever they're asking for. Um, you know i think in terms of like uniformity versus you know local and state regulations i mean i think i think it's a complicated question because on the one hand yeah for ease of doing business you want like one legal regime on the other hand in the united states of america we have federalism we kind of appreciate the idea that innovation and best practices can come from the states we like the fact that hey if i want clean air in my state i can you know, impose harsher regulations, or yeah. hey, if I want to try a new way of funding healthcare, I can pass a law and you know, state capital and see if it works, and maybe it'll get adopted if it works. And so, on the you know, I kind of like the idea that um, forward-thinking states can try things out um, and see what the results are. What, what well. do you
1: think, Dean? I well, mean, because on the one hand, of yep. course, this
2: is the FMCSA mm-hmm. acting speedily, right? Yep. yep. So, I tend to agree with, with JP. I mean, from an operational point of view, there's nothing worse than trying to run a truck fleet with different regulations at different states. And we've also got New York State just changed the ruling where the ELD mandate won't be enforced. I think in New York State, there was something I read about last week. So, I think there's some.
1: Wow. The, yeah, really? there's, some,
2: there's some. And I've, and I've just I've got to catch up on the story. But And I had this debate on social media with some people when this came out in California. The reality is that I defy anybody to sit in a truck for eight hours <laughs> yeah. consistently and tell me that it's safe. Now the reality is some days you can do it, most days you can't. Best practice is actually getting in and out of the vehicle fairly uh, frequently to, to A, refresh and recharge and change the operating environment, the other thing is to check your load. You have to kick your tires, check the load, make sure everything's good. So getting out of the truck is actually good practice, it's actually safer. Now. California's actually adopted the best practice, and, and, and I can give you a quick backstory. Oh. In, in In 1999, I hosted the Department of Transport and, from Canada and the FMCSA, and we took them around our fatigue management pilot companies, which is called FMP.
1: Okay, A lot of
2: the best practice in how to run schedules and manage fatigue and, and sleep were implemented into the 2004 Hours of Service Regulation. It was part of why they went away from 10 on, 8 off, which is an 18-hour workday, to a 24-hour workday, which is 11 on, 3 on. 10 off 11, 3 and 10 makes 24 trying to get the human body in line with the rising and the setting of the sun and into a daily cycle part of that regulation in Australia is 5 hours on half hour off 5 hours on 2 hours off so every five hours, you're out this, of the truck. What's your overall preferred method of all of these? Um, even more frequently, you need to be out of that truck and, and you need to be out of that truck frequently. You can't – five hours is even too long to be sitting there yeah. all the time, especially in, in winter where the miles are really, really hard. Yeah. So to say it's safer to only require a driver to have a break at eight hours is absolutely it, – it's mind-boggling. Yeah, and that's yeah. what they, they,
1: the, yeah. the Teamsters have so, said. So it's I would argue
2: you need to be having more breaks, not less. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the problem is with ELDs, of course, is that every minute you spend not driving, you're yeah. not actually making money. So it's a real flexibility question, I think, as opposed to... Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, like, uh, I mean, I tell you what, like, I,
1: when I'm driving down the road, I don't want it. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm telling the family, get out, get yeah. your stuff, hurry yeah. up and get back because right. you're costing us time. Yeah, I can... <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: there's, there's a lot of I science. Can barely imagine. There's some solid science to prove that that's actually really unsafe. Um, the human body doesn't uh, oscillate like that. We go through Ultradian. In rhythms every 90 minutes. We go through a high point and a low point every 90 minutes. That's why people need to have a cigarette every 90 minutes. Um, so there's a human oscillation where you go through peaks and troughs, and and you'll have like in a seven-hour period five of these, and these low points are where you actually go through these zones where you can have micro-sleeps and run off the road and hit things, and that's why you need to be changing your operating environment fairly frequently. So I could actually point to some solid science that would suggest that California was on the right track not right. the wrong track right.
1: <laughs> well that sounds like some solid analysis right there uh mm-hmm. thanks Dean thanks for uh for um uh being being be a part of, of this, uh, and uh, we've uh, we've got to you know hit a couple of um, other uh, stories real quick because we don't want our listeners to suddenly start thinking that our podcast is going to be a lot longer than uh, the tempo that we right. use. We don't set. want
0: them to, uh, to go through a, a, a low point and fall <laughs> yes. asleep and run off the road, right?
1: Uh, Daimler, if you haven't heard, um, is um, basically they announced at the beginning of this week um, at a Las Vegas trade show, which I of which I forget the name of right now but um they're they've announced i think it's a big announcement it's really interesting they're they're saying that they're um their Cascadia, is it the Freightliner Cascadia? Mm-hmm. Yep, the, yep, the, that's uh, what Denmark
0: makes, yeah.
1: That uh, it is uh, the, starting about midway through this year, they're going to start uh, making level two autonomous uh, you know, semis, uh, which is exciting. And uh, JP, you want to tell us what a level two is?
0: Yeah, it's basically, it's so it's, it's dynamic cruise control. So... The cruise control—you um, set the speed, but you can. It can also automatically maintain a certain following distance from the vehicle in front of you, slowing and and accelerating with that vehicle to maintain that distance. And it's also um, lane assist. Yeah. Uh, so there are cameras right. that see the painted uh, lane markers um, to either side of your truck, and it sort of keeps you, you know, in the lane um, and tells you when you're drifting out of the lane, um, and then finally you know some other um sort of uh, imaging technologies that kind of tell you when something's in your blind spot and you know, help you see directly behind the trailer.
1: Sounds pretty awesome to me, considering that, like, you know, even last year there were people saying that, oh, autonomous is great and all, but we're going to be doing platooning for a little while, and maybe in you know a decade we'll see uh, some of this, you know, level two and three, and then then two decades maybe four and five or whatever. But um, they're actually amidst all of these other announcements, they also said. We're done with platooning. It's not as efficient as we thought. It's, it's not. Ju- it's
0: really complicated to actually yeah, get is. like an ROI off mm-hmm. of it.
1: Uh, because there's so many interruptions. and Then you got to catch back up, and that reduces fuel efficiency. You have You're trucks
0: right. waiting on each other. You know, exhausted
1: by ELDs days now, because every minute's money.
0: Uh, uh,
1: yeah, and they also announced that they have the capability of making these level four and fives, and really they want to get to level four within you know the decade. They they want to mm-hmm. be producing these trucks. Level 4 to me the only difference between level 4 and 5 is that they actually have a steering wheel where you can kind of get which I I like level 4. Mm. Like level 5 scares me a little bit.
0: Uh, level right. 4 is achievable. Uh level 5 seems kind of unimaginable without like a lot of really um, yeah. uh expensive mm-hmm. upgrades to like smart infrastructure and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. It seems quite difficult and almost not even I mean, I think that the, the safety uh, improvements from level four alone will be, you know, dr- dramatic and mm-hmm. wonderful and mm-hmm. will, you know, avert so many, like, you know, tragic yes. accidents. speaking
1: of safety, right? Yeah, actual, will, I,
0: actual safety. Yeah, and, um, and drivers do not be
1: alarmed. You, there there are uh, the only, you know, jobs that, that it might take are the ones that you almost surely don't want to do
2: it'll 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 take away a lot of the task saturation that they've got now because if you look at how trucks are designed there's too much stuff to do in the cab there's too many screens to look at there's just too much stuff going on so when Ooh. you get through the higher levels of Great. autonomous trucks thought about it actually that. It, it kind of de- uh, it, it just lowers the amount of task saturation the vigilance that you've got to have and I think the driving task becomes really interesting as it relates to ELDs because if I'm not driving does that mean I could be theoretically resting Mm-hmm. And uh, and that you know that doesn't mean a cardboard cut out in the seat and I'm in the bunk, because you know, that's <laughs> well, let's hope not. that's what I would like to do. That's if because yeah. the, the idea of letting a, someone else drive the truck is probably a, a lesser risk than me trying to stay there and stay awake. Uh, right, right, right. So, right, so, right. Yeah. so I think there's there's a lot of it's going to change the driving task. I think it's pretty exciting times.
0: It is. It's a very exciting time. And, uh, and but you know I think just one other kind of you know what to say, yes level four is one step away from fully autonomous semi-trucks. But I mean, that's quite a step,
1: quite a big step um, to me from that, you know, it, like, yeah, like the at four and five are, and it's, it's never, a leap. It's, I don't
0: think it's ever really been done before. I mean, but even, they will be
1: practicing with level four this very year, according to the, yeah, to their but even like,
0: even all, like almost all of the autonomous vehicle, pilots that I'm aware of have people in the car yes trying.
1: and there are actually a surprising large amount doing it we could we could touch on that both the startups um, and uh, I guess what we would call the incumbents um, finally JP you wrote um, about like brokers being cautiously optimistic we've kind of touched on this throughout the podcast a little bit before but but you but you said there were two like um, kind of important brokerages I think young Chicago based ones that you said like kind of sounded um, a somewhat om- ominous counterpoint to the optimism like, uh, what, what, what's all that about?
0: Yeah, just real quick. Um, you know, last week I talked to, it's actually I it guess beginning of this it was Monday when, when the sports story went up. Um, I talked to two groups of brokers, one based in Chicago, you know, several different shops, and one based in, uh, in, in a group based in Chattanooga. Um, the Chattanooga brokers overall were more optimistic. Everyone noticed that we've had really robust volumes you know, on a national basis um, so far. Things really started turning on last week after the new year. And now, you know, it's, yeah. it's up back where it kind of was, you know, November, early December. You know, it's it's things are coming alive again. Really robust volumes. Um, the Chicago brokers almost kind of didn't trust the market, though. They didn't really have data to back up their hunches but they okay ha, they you know are waiting for things to really fall apart um in terms of volume i don't i don't you know i haven't seen anything that would suggest that a lot of people thought that would happen with all of the freight that had been pulled forward uh, to avoid the um, January first tariff deadline that didn't actually happen, which, which we're not...
1: kind of starting to see again. So there's a new thesis emerging that the volumes are could be potentially artificially high right now, as high as they are, because now, well, the you know the the new tariff mandate has been moved to simply March, and lots of retailers and others are trying to get ahead of that.
0: Uh, yeah, we're not seeing it so much on the maritime side as in terms of like ships coming in, but with the, the issue is that uh, there is uh, an incredible amount of congestion in the wa- network of warehouses and distribution centers in major freight hubs like Los Angeles, uh, Juliet, Dallas, etc. And so, the normal amount of freight that is trying to move doesn't really have anywhere to go. And so, we're seeing things get pushed into weird nooks and crannies yeah. of the nation. You know, we're seeing, like for example, a lot of a lot of loads. Um, leaving LA to go to like places like Stockton, California. But it does have to do and with Modestia. maritime,
1: right? Because I mean, it's coming into the ports and there's a lot of volume there.
0: But the problem is the, what what the issue is is that in Southern California, yeah. there's about you know, there's over a billion square feet of real estate uh, of a warehouse space. Right, right. And it's all full. So, whatever's coming in off the port doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. And so they're having to divert it to, to these, these secondary weird, right, it's these weird places. Markets. And so You know, even though we're not seeing a crazy amount of tightness on the trans-Pacific container trade right now, and we talked, I talked to a freight forwarder today who is explaining this to me. He said, even though that is, you know, there's there's consistent freight, plenty of space, not too worried. um, It's just where does it go once it gets here? There, people are, Mm. you know, stacking boxes on, you know, things are getting cluttered and inefficient and cloggy, and so, um, kind of the warehouse logistics side of it. So
2: do you think people have just pulled forward all this inventory without it having a home, and they're just kind of warehousing it close to where it, where it landed at the port of entry, and now it'll just be dispersed across the country whenever people buy the products? I
0: so, guess. We, this I mean, is kind our kind current of, yeah. operating thesis. Yeah, and if there, is,
1: if there is a reason to be uh, you know, cautiously pessimistic, this could be it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, one of, the, uh, one of the things that is uh, exciting um, uh, for us is that we uh, have um, some new sponsorship. Chicago-based Redwood Logistics is a next-generation, strategically-based, integrated logistics provider that believes every company's needs are unique. For more than 15 years, the company has been providing solutions for moving and managing freight and sharing its knowledge across North America. Redwood Logistics is focused on making its customers more successful in their end markets by applying talented and motivated people, proven processes, and cutting-edge technologies to optimize their supply chain management efforts, and we thank them for their sponsorship.
0: Yeah, Redwood is a great company. Uh, We know a lot of folks out there, and it's really cool that they could um, step up and help support what the truck.
1: Okay, so uh, today we are visited um, with special guest Craig Fuller, CEO of Freight Waves. Craig, great to have you on.
3: Well, it's great to be here. I am so excited I got invited to your show. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Well,
1: thanks for squeezing us in, um, even if it takes just five good Mm -hmm. minutes. Um, So uh, basically yesterday uh, we had some uh, industry leaders from all over Chattanooga meet up at... um, what well, you know what we 're calling the the new freight alley space, and uh just wanted to let you you know like j p you were there yep, and uh um, we just wanted to you know kind of like get a sense of like what it 's about uh, what how we 're bringing uh, folks together. Um, and let's do it all in five good minutes. Are you ready to play?
0: I am ready to play, absolutely. <laughs>
1: well, ready or not, here we go.
0: Yeah, so can you just tell us a little bit about the purpose of the meetup and the mobility think tank and kind of what the rationale is behind that?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think, you know, when we started, when I started this business two and a half years ago and uh, Freightways was, was founded, um, one of the things that was sort of uh, obvious to me was how much uh, freight and logistics. Uh, has been impacted and benefited from Chattanooga, but also how it impacts the broader uh, Chattanooga economy. And I thought it was a natural place to raise capital uh, for our business. What I what I what I discovered is that. Um, with the exception of sort of pockets that really weren 't aligned and wasn 't a lot of sort of collaboration between the different parties right. um, that there wasn 't a lot of internal support in the city for supporting our business, and we had to go elsewhere and I thought that was really concerning and and somewhat sad because you have a city where uh, you have the highest concentration of folks that are involved in transportation logistics in the entire country Wow uh, but yet uh, as a as a city that sort of prides itself on on a startup community. But there wasn't a lot of broad support. And that really was from government uh, to to venture capital to uh, really all of it. And, and so the hope of, of bringing it together is demonstrating how powerful uh, this story could potentially be. Uh, Steve Case uh, recognized it when he came to uh, Chattanooga for Rise of the Rest, that Chattanooga, as he's described, is the Silicon Valley of trucking. Um, right. And it's a, it's, a, it's a reason that uh, we have had a lot of success, I think, is because we're able to draw from people – uh, that have experience in the community uh, at Freight Waves. Uh, and then more broadly, I, I think it's a broader theme uh, overall as a venture theme.
1: Is part of uh, the challenge like almost bringing awareness to how much employment is? Like, what, did, Didn't the Chamber of Com- Commerce kind of underestimate how many em- were employed in transportation
3: not and only, logistics? They only underestimated, but they blew it, frankly. I mean, they, <laughs> oh. they had thought uh, in their model – that only about 400 people were described as non-trucking sort of professional folks involved in transportation logistics. There wow. are 6,500 in the city. And so th- there's a, a, a gross misunderstanding of, of how important the sector is to the chatting economy, yeah. but more broadly nationwide, how important it is. And so I, I think what, what the goal was was two things. One is we can sit there and blame the chamber and the city all we want, but it's not fair. The fact is as an industry, right leaders in the industry have done a really poor job of working together a lot of these folks have seen have either worked with one another so they have a lot of history or have competed with one another and more likely have done so in a very aggressive manner and and so it creates this sort of sense of uh, a zero-sum game and i think what we're hoping to see and what we saw yesterday and i think it started yesterday and it has continued to hope, hopefully will continue is that by getting those individuals together as a force, we can be much more powerful.
0: Absolutely. Craig, uh, yesterday a lot of the conversations seemed to focus on building out a long-term talent pipeline for the industry in the city and also figuring out a way to bring in enough capital so that the best ideas and organizations can really reach their potential. Yeah. It's... Uh, in 2019, do we have any, like, Concrete like goals, like things that we're trying to accomplish to move the needle on those two things.
3: Well, I, I think I, I think at this stage, it's getting it's, get, it's getting rallying calls. It's getting the university together. It's getting the chamber behind. it. It's getting the city behind it, and getting the industry to collaborate. And I think that's the goal. Um, we, I think there's a challenge. If you put broad, sort of big metrics up there um, without really having a base and having support, it's going to be more difficult to achieve. And I think right now it's just bringing people together for collaborating. And,
1: and, and is that easier said <laughs> than done? or like, how?
3: No, there is, if you saw it yesterday, we had those 60 people. In the city of Chattanooga, that's that's a decent size. Uh, these are mostly uh, C-level people. These are C-level executives from wow. multiple companies. There were at least 20 companies in the room. Um, and so, by bringing them together I, I think I think there was a represent, there was an opportunity to say, "Hey, we need to fix this and I think there was a a common theme for the folks that talked about the desire to fix it. talentpool you mentioned one of the mistakes that cities like Chattanooga make mm-hmm. uh, as i 've seen is they want to be focused on broader venture themes, which is hey, we want to be big media, we want to be big software." Mm-hmm. cities like chattanooga need to focus on what they can do successfully and where they have an advantage chattanooga doesn't have an advantage in software consumer software and so why focus on it focus on things that you have a natural inherent advantage over and that's the message i hope that we get out
1: wow i think we're getting it out there you did it you win the t-shirt uh <laughs> and uh thanks for being on craig uh just fantastic to have you uh even for these five good minutes thanks. thank so you craig.
3: guys thanks for having me
1: thanks awesome jp it is a uh, high time that you and i play big deal little deal Ooh. what's the deal with you Oh. Okay. all <clears> throat> right throat> um, so um
0: all right getting ready
1: all right. So what could go wrong? Why don't you uh, hit lead off? Uh, or I will hit lead off. Uh, ready? Go. Transport ministry hails Brexit truck test a success, big
0: deal or little deal. Um, I'm still waiting to see what happens with the Theresa May deal and whether um, the conservative party will be able to you know, scuttle it and go for a no deal Brexit. But I mean, you know. This is, in theory, it's good for logistics companies.
1: Parcel carriers shown during peak delivery period. Firm data shows, big deal or little deal? It's a huge
0: deal. Um, the fact that uh, like UPS and FedEx were in the high ninety nine, you know, high nineties on on time delivery is, um, you know, it's 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 an incredible achievement, and it's also raising the bar for consumer expectations.
1: Fracking jobs peaked in June, so did flatbed rates. Big deal or little deal?
0: I think it's. Um, a big deal because we're looking to see what happens with the price of, of WTI and whether the Brent WTI spread will stay wide enough to encourage more oil production on the you know in the US next year.
1: Reversing a long downward trend, US CO2 emissions rose in 2018, big deal or little deal? Um
0: I don't know, I think it's a little deal. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a blip in, in a long downward trend. Uh, deep data to become the greatest natural resource tech execs say. Big deal or little deal?
1: Well, this came from the C- Consumer Tech Association event where Gary Shapiro was talking about how we're going to solve huge human problems with tech over the next decade, and data is becoming interconnected. I think it's a big deal.
0: Growth of ride-hailing market in the U.S. is strewn with uncertainties. Big deal or little deal?
1: Little deal. It's a good article by our tech correspondent Vishnu, but we expect IPOs from Lyft and Uber this year and the the on demand market will continue to grow.
0: Autonomous cargo vans to deliver Walmart's groceries with U, U-, U- Delve. <laughs> big deal or little deal? <laughs>
1: <laughs> little deal. It's another pilot by Walmart that seems to be flailing to keep up with competitors
0: in this JB Hunt expands this last mile big and bulky business with Corey acquisition. Big deal or little deal?
1: It's too little, too late for you right now, JP. There's no sense. It's at the time we've lost it. But uh, I wow. will say it is a big deal. <laughs> JB Hunt is a big company making a strategic move in a big space, and this will make their footprint even bigger. And I don't uh, care. I feel like that that was we my, didn't I feel it. like it was my fault. Now, you know I you love know what? your analysis. I JP. bet it was because very good.
0: it was because I didn't drink beer.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's hope so. Uh, so uh, next time you'll bring bring the heat, baby. Uh, Dean, been great to have yeah, you. Thanks on so much, ours. Dean. Pleasure. Thanks, Thank thanks to have it's wonderful to have you, and thanks for everybody for listening. And we will see you next week on What the Truck.
0: Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode, and thanks again to Redwood Logistics for helping us out and partnering with us on What the Truck.
1: As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast that'll do it for today thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week on what the the truck. truck